Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. Before we launch into an episode I'm very excited about today, remember, as always, if you have any questions, any comments, topic suggestions, you just want to rail at Josh about something, uh, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com or on our Instagram at act2writers. Boom. And we have a special guest today. A very, very special guest today. Hello. We are talking to Nicole Ramberg, um, who recently won the ScreenCraft Action Adventure Competition with her feature script called what? The Ghosts of Le Griffon. Ooh. Yeah. The accent and everything. <laughs> I sounded very sophisticated. That. It's a very, fa- very fancy script. No. <laughs> So we're going to talk to Nicole today about what that was like to win that, to apply to it, the effects that it's had on her career. And this is actually going to be our first episode in a series where we're going to talk to people like Nicole who have won competitions and talk about what it's been like for them. Boom. But first, I feel like Nicole should just, in her own words, introduce herself. My name is Nicole. (laughs) Uh, As was so perfectly stated, um... And yeah, I recently won ScreenCraft's action and venture competition. Well, by recently, it was it was in February. And then a few weeks later, the pandemic hit. And we, we can get into that later. Oh, um, man. Oh, this is going to be an exciting journey, even more than oh, I realized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I've just been working as a assistant in development at studios for the last couple of years. And been writing, trying to make the writing thing happen, and here we are. <laughs> trying and succeeding. Um, let's go back then. Let's let's talk about, I'm always curious where people come from, and like, did they go to film school? Did they know they wanted to be a screenwriter? Did they even know how you make movies? So what's your story? Kind of when did you come to LA, and, and how did you start? Yeah, so I'm from the Chicago suburbs, and I went to Northwestern for film. Technically, it's for a radio TV film, but no one teaches radio anymore, so it's just TV and film. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. They can they'll change radio to podcast eventually, you yeah. know. <laughs> We're waiting um, on that. Um, but no, I did study film and TV at uh Northwestern. And it was kind of like the whole film school thing where it's like you learn cinematography, you learn what different lights are called, and then you know, you get to senior year and they're like, Okay, now you can specialize in something. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're from you're from the Midwest. I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, cool. We're in Wisconsin. Like Milwaukee. Oh, I have cousins yeah. who grew up in like Orfordville. I, I'm, yeah. Uh, sure. I'm not yeah, too sure. familiar. With that. <laughs> no, no, no. I should know. <laughs> I feel like I should know everyone in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, like, people are always like, hey, you're from Chicago. Do you know this person? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's way too big. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how you have to do it in the Midwest when you're yeah. from the Midwest. You have to like find out if you know the same people. Exactly. And then, so you went to film school and then did you move out right away to pursue writing? Or, yeah. I, I know a lot of people are really brave and will move out without a job, but I, I was not quite so brave. And so I actually applied to the NBC Universal Page Program, which is a very unfun four month long application process. What's unfun about it? It's so many rounds of just like interviewing where it was like college applications, but you have to fly to LA on your own dime and don't get the job potentially. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Geez. Yeah. But thankfully I got it. So I got to be, that's what brought me to LA is then I went 
and was Kenneth the Page for NBC Universal for a year. What was that like? What what were your job tasks that you had to do? I did everything from like administrative stuff to like I once deep cleaned a refrigerator <laughs> for like three hours because it was just like one of those things where like people just kept being like, hmm. The refrigerator's yeah. dirty, isn't it, Nicole? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess it's my job to clean it. Okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Like all the leftover jobs that the assistants and interns won't do, basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you know what, whatever. I'm not above this. I'll clean this refrigerator. <laughs> so it has to be. Is that where you two met? We met, because I so I went to Universal after the PAGE program. And that's oh. where we overlapped. Yeah. I see. And it's fairly common, actually, I think, for pages to move on to an actual position at Universal as an executive assistant. So that is one way that you can do it, everybody, for sure. Mm -hmm. You just may have to clean a fridge in the process. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth worth it. (laughs) (laughs) We all have to pay our dues somehow. And my due was a refrigerator. So, you know. (laughs) So then how long were you an executive assistant at Universal? So I was at uni for exactly two years. And then after that, I moved to Amblin Partners, which is where I'm at now. And I've been there like a year and a half-ish. That long already? I know. I was, time isn't real. Like <laughs> It's a Chris Nolan movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm very curious how you managed to work currently also managed to work full-time as an assistant, but also write as well. I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> it. I took it for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because it's, you know, a lot of places don't want you writing during the workday where it's like, Hey, if you, anything you write during the workday is our intellectual property. So I think that was something I was always very cautious about because I didn't want to accidentally write something I no longer owned the rights to. Um, so it was a lot of brainstorming during like my lunch breaks. I'd go walk around the back lot and like sit by the Jaws area. Nice. Oh, walk. damn. Yeah. Wait, can, we, can we rewind this for a second? Yeah. That's the rule. If you are writing something at like, let's say at Universal, they're like, hey, we own this if you work on the job. Mm-hmm. Or if you so I definitely job. wrote things while I worked at Universal. Yeah, I don't think anyone checks. No. I'm just hella paranoid. And I'm just yeah, like, yeah. if anyone would get caught, it would be me. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, Nicole, we saw you writing uh, next to Jaws. And, yeah, uh, what was <laughs> what's your paperwork? Yeah, like, can we see that journal, please? Thank you. But yeah, it's like, so, because like at Amblin, where I'm at now, like, if I want to take a screenplay out, I have to first get Amblin to pass on it. And then... I'm able to take it places. I mean, having a technical first look deal at Amblin is not (laughs) a bad gig, Nicole. (laughs) I mean, that is an excellent way to look at it. I should start branding myself that way. Like, yes, I'm a first look deal at Amblin. 100%. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Yes. (laughs) Whoa. So that's actually interesting because I know I've talked to people who like lie about what they do because they don't want to make it seem as though they're working or they're, excuse me, they're writing on the job. Yeah. So when you met with Amblin, you said, Hey, I'm a writer. I'm going to write did at you? work or like, obviously not at, but did you tell them that up front? 
I like when I was in when I first went to Universal, I was like, I like want to write, but like, who knows? Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, I could also be an executive. And then it's like, by the time I went to Amblin, I was like, you know, I have enough experience as an assistant under my belt. And I was really looking like also for like a mentor because I know like there are a lot of people when they find out their assistants want to write, they do want to help. And so it was just kind of like I was at the point in my career. I'm like, it does me no good to lie about my career ambitions at this yeah. point. You know, I'm not starting out. I have enough goodwill of people at a major studio. Um, so I was upfront. I was like, yeah, I want to write. And, you know, when I won ScreenCraft, I told my boss and didn't get fired. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, and those lies catch up to you eventually. Like if mm -hmm. you say you don't write or something, at some point, people figure this stuff out. Yeah, well, and especially because I feel like so many development executives want their assistants to become CEs. And so yeah. they start being like, hey, you know, I've heard so-and-so is looking for a CE or you want to be basically a junior executive on this project, but like not a junior executive. And so I think especially because I'd already been an assistant for like two years at that point, it helped avoid any like potential grooming to be an executive because we both knew that wasn't the deal. Yeah, I think that's great. I had the opposite experience. I, in trying to get a job in Hollywood, kept telling people I was a writer because mm -hmm. I thought that would do exactly what you said. Like, they'd be like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you're, you're so genuinely interested in what we're doing. Let's bring you in and you can be, uh, you know, an active, creative person in, in our company. No, they'd be like, well, why am I hiring you if you just want to write and leave the company? And so finally, when I went to go interview at Universal, I totally lied in my interview and said, 100%, I can't wait to be an executive. Please teach me everything that you know, executive person. And I got hired and then secretly wrote. <laughs> and uh, that was my, my path there. I did not have the same support you did. And I'm so happy that you did because 100%, you want someone who's a mentor actively working to be like, that's great. I'm going to nurture that. In the meantime, I'm going to teach you this other side of the business. Exactly. I mean, it's such a roll of the dice because I do know there are some people who are like, I do not want a writer on my desk. And like, that's their prerogative, I guess. <laughs> so strange Dang. i feel like as an executive i would want a writer because they'd be so like such a great creative partner in terms of reading scripts with me and wanting to actually do all of that and yeah be a good voice that i wouldn't necessarily have in my own head because i'm not a writer but i'm not an executive so what do i know okay so we need to we need to enter into the screencraft world mm -hmm. and can you just tell us a little bit about screencraft so i had submitted to the Atlanta Film Festival for a completely different script like years ago. It was like something I wrote in college. I'm like, I might as well do something with this. I'll just send it places. And I submitted through Coverfly. And so when you submit through Coverfly, you kind of get signed up for all their newsletters that just kind of keep you informed as to what competitions are coming up. Interesting. Let's stop right there because I have no idea what Coverfly is. What is Coverfly? So Coverfly is... Basically, it's kind of like, have you ever used like Without a Box or Film Freeway? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that, but like just for screenwriting competitions where it's basically just like lists and lists of screenplay competitions and you submit everything through Coverfly. They house your script and then so you don't have to keep re-uploading it every time you want to submit. And then the cool thing is, is that, I feel like I'm doing like an ad for Coverfly. Do the it. Cool no, thing is, is when you submit. We'll get them as sponsors later on. Yeah. <laughs> 
thanks coverfly um, <laughs> <laughs> is that they actually keep like new they have like a numeric scoring system so you can kind of privately check to see how well your script is performing at different like festivals or competitions holy crap yeah and then like you i mean i had for the most part i had my profile on private because i'm like what if it's bad i don't want people to find me right um <laughs> but you can make it public and then basically if you get a really high score they promote you and that's a lot of people get connected with managers through that way and so i found out about screencraft through various coverfly newsletters and it was i was just every competition it's like did you write a drama or did you write a comedy and i'm uh -huh. like i wrote a kids on bikes movie <laughs> going on an adventure it's kind of neither and <laughs> and so i was excited by the fact that they had genre specific you know mm -hmm. so it's like i'm not going up against like a world war ii movie you know, not going up against like a like medical cancer drama or like a broad comedy. I'm just going up against action adventure. Yeah. And with Coverfly, can I ask, do they have a subscription fee to do that? Mm -mm. So oh. Coverfly itself is free, but like you, I did pay to submit to ScreenCraft. Right. It wasn't, I, I, I always submit early because I try to get yeah. the lower fees. <laughs> right. Um, Rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. assistance pay, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I want to say it was like $45-ish. Okay. I just need to say, so you're, you're at Amblin, you write action, adventure films, and this script is about kids on bikes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Man. I know. <laughs> this, this is like... You're like talking to my soul right now. Yeah. These are like my, my favorite movies. Oh, they're the best movies. Yeah. I, I've just like, have been, because I've, I've loved the like Amblin Universal team ups, like from like the 80s and 90s. So I've just like, like Pokemon, just been going through the studios and like catching them all, you know? <laughs> I got Uni, I got Amblin, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So you submit to ScreenCraft. And then when did you submit to when you found out that you won? So I think I submitted, I want to say it was August of 2018. And then okay. it, and then I want to say it was December of that year. I found out I was a quarterfinalist. So they notify you basically every step of the way. It wasn't just like, surprise, you didn't win. Goodbye. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so... I found out I won early February. It was like the first or second week of February of this year. I guess I said 2018. I'm in 2019. Okay. Time isn't right. real. <laughs> Time isn't right. real. 2020 is wiped out. This isn't. This year doesn't count for this age. Doesn't or count. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I submitted August 2019, not 2018. <laughs> and then, how long have you been working on the script? I started working on it at Universal but not during work hours of anyone at Universal is <laughs> listening. Um, and I, so I started working on it. I want to say it took me longer than I would have liked to have written it just because you're writing it like one hour a day when you can squeeze it in. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say I started writing it like end of 2017. And then once all the drafts, I was done with various drafts of it by the end of 2018. So it was a long process, but... I feel like a year is not that long. Yeah, yeah no, it's not. I felt long. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> if you can write a spec a year, I feel like you're good. Yeah. <laughs> and was this the first competition you had submitted the script to? Um, it wasn't, but it was because I submitted it to like, I feel like whenever people submit, it's always like Nichols, Austin, you know, the mm -hmm. biggies. Um, but there was, you know, I was getting really good feedback, but I felt like I kept running into the issue of like, you know, especially I feel like Nichols and Austin pick like important films that they like to recognize. And I wouldn't say my film is an, or my script is like an important script with like a capital I. Like, right. I think it's fun. I think it's a good time. I think it has something to say, but it's not like, it's not going to change humanity, <laughs> you know, when it comes out. You don't know that. I mean, truth remains to be seen. It might. <laughs> it might. <laughs> I'm very curious about, so like on Coverfly, I feel like that's already someone who's telling you these are the places to apply that aren't going to screw you over. So that's a very good resource to have, obviously, because I know when I was applying to all the competitions and festivals, I had sort of had to do my own research to be like, are these fraudulent? Because they, you all pretty much have to pay for every competition you submit to or festival you submit to. So that's not really the 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 bar there to look at. It, so it was like, do I feel like their website is outdated or not? Like, how do I judge if this is fraudulent? So for you, do you feel like Coverfly just does all that work for you and you can just freely apply to everything on there if you want to? Yeah, I feel like they do vet things to a certain degree. I mean, I also definitely encourage looking into things on your own. I think the big thing for me for uh, ScreenCraft was just, it's very evident on their social media that they work with their winners and even their runners up. You know, it's not like, I don't know, when I was looking at the competitions, I just wanted something more than bragging rights, yeah. if you win. And like, one, there was a cash prize, which I will never say no to. <laughs> right. And, but the biggest thing was that like, they really were in touch with me after I won. It was like, okay, cool, you won. Now let's figure out what's next for you. Interesting. How did they advertise that? To, like, what do you mean when they work with you? So a lot of it is that they have like the announcement on their websites and all that. And they have, basically they have their whole kind of Rolodex of judges and jurors or whoever they get to judge certain things. So my script, I think they had people from like Skydance and Bad Robot, MGM as like the final jurors at the end. And so they, I think they do like some kind of blast where someone who read my script, who was a manager, liked it enough to reach out to me. And that's how they did it. And then they're also, I believe their sister companies with Coverfly. And so after I won <laughs> and after the pandemic hit and everything shut down, basically what they did is they were like, okay, we're going to have Coverfly endorse you. So they sent out this huge email blast and then like did targeted you know emails to managers they had relationships with and we're like hey we think you'd like nicole's script here it is let us know wow yeah that's big it is <laughs> was that the goal going in when you submitted yeah i mean like when, when i submitted i'm like i'm never gonna hear from these people <laughs> yeah. i'm or like i'm just gonna send my 45 dollars into the void and that'll be it <laughs> in the trash yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Just add it to my Excel spreadsheet of build, whatever. Um, so I was very happy. It was like around the time when I found out I was a finalist. I was like, okay, this might turn into something. 
And because I was one of they, I think they like the t- they had like fifty finalists, and then they narrowed it down to like I want to say like ten to twenty. And so I had gotten an email where they're like, you know, tell us about your goals and your ambitions. And I was like, I would like a manager. <laughs> <Set>. <laughs> that's great because that's so specific and so doable. Versus like, I want to be an Academy Award winning writer. It's like, okay, well, cool. Potentially get that, but I can't help you with that right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like, especially I think like coming from the development side of things, I have had so many emails and phone calls where I have to be like, I'm sorry, due for legal to legal reasons, mm-hmm. we cannot read your screenplay, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's such a barrier if you don't have representation. And I'm like, look, nothing else matters if I don't have a rep. Can you explain that a little bit for people who maybe don't understand what you mean by those emails that you're getting at the studio level? Yeah. So, you know, especially at places like Universal and Amblin, like very well-known companies, we get a lot of unsolicited submissions, you know, like someone finds an exec's email and, you know, shoots their shot and good for them. But for legal reasons, we can't read anything because we could get sued if Mm -hmm. basically we read something and there's no, when you don't have the middleman of a representation, things are kind of in murky waters. And it's just to keep people from having their ideas stolen and to keep the studios from getting sued. It's just kind of like we delete those emails as soon as they hit the inbox. Yeah, I wow. remember one of the more heartbreaking moments I had at Universal was an Emmy award winning writer, but he had won an Emmy back in the 80s, reached out to me specifically to ask if he could get a script read by my boss and potentially get a meeting. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but she will literally not talk to you unless you have a rep. And he was like, check my AMDB, like go on Google right now and you can see me. I'm like, I know. And I'm so sorry, but there's literally nothing I can do. She will just kick me out of the door. Um, And I wanted to do something so bad and I felt so helpless, but I was like, you need to go to a rep and then please come back. (laughs) And it's stupid. I hate it. But that's the way it is. Yeah. It's never fun to feel like you're crushing a fellow writer's hopes and dreams. No. (laughs) So let's kind of talk about, I guess, the application process a little bit. Did you have to submit anything else besides your script, like a video of yourself or uh, some kind of statement of purpose or anything like that? No, it was like at the like very initial submission, it was my script, a log line, I think you could like add a blurb just being like, hey, like this was my goal with the script. Hope you enjoy. I honestly can't remember if I did that or not. I feel like I probably didn't um, just because I'm like, you know what? They just read the script. <laughs> also simultaneously submitting to other places as well via Coverfly or just one at a time? I submitted to a handful at a time. I didn't go too wide just because they are a little pricey and you know there's so many that I feel like you can just fall into a little pit of just submissions mm-hmm. and so I did try to be targeted with where I was submitting like obviously like you want to submit to Nickel and Austin and you know all those biggies but then I submitted I also submitted to the screencraft drama competition even though I'm like this isn't really a drama but you know what whatever I'll find out <laughs> they'll tell me if it's a drama <laughs> Um, And then it, you know, once I was a finalist, uh, then I got specific questions from them being like, you know, we want to know more about who you are, where you come from, what your background is, what your goals are. And then that's, it was like when, because they get like thousands and thousands of submissions, like that's when you get more of the like, who are you? 
questions. What's up? Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> what does your career look like when you're applying to ScreenCraft? Kind of paint the picture for what that looks like before, and then we'll do an after. Yeah. So when I apply to ScreenCraft, I mean, it doesn't look terribly different <laughs> from where I'm at now. But, you know, yeah. I, I applied as a studio assistant. I think by the time I applied for this uh, competition, specifically, I was ready at Amblin. Very much just trying to, like, get the name out there. Be like, someone say I'm good. <laughs> so other people will believe. <laughs> so it was very much that phase of just like trying to get some I guess like legitimacy because obviously like you share scripts with friends but you're always like do you really think it's good or are you just my friend you know yeah. Yeah, so how do you go about doing that when you don't have a rep how did you find you could get your name out to people at that stage yeah I think the biggest thing was getting recognition through various competitions I guess I was under the mentality of if I can prove that some third party <laughs> thinks my script is good, then therefore I can show it to people and they will read it. Yeah, because we are surrounded constantly by people who say they're writers or want to be writers and you have to pull ahead somehow. But when you have someone say like ScreenCraft saying, no, this person actually is the cream of the crop, then, then people are like, oh, maybe I will actually read that and pull that out of the trash. Exactly. It's also good for you personally because you write in like this little vacuum and then finally someone else is like, that was great. And then you're like, oh, that's right. I am on the right course. This is great. I'm doing the right thing. Well, especially like, especially being on the development side, it's like, my God, there are so many writers in this industry and like, they're all working writers. They're all repped writers, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it can be a little overwhelming at times. Like, my God, how do I stand out or even like begin when there are this many people? Yeah. Yeah. So at this stage, when you're sorry, Josh, I interrupted you. No, no, no. I was just gonna ramble. Go for it. Reminisce on life. You yeah. have that look, that faraway look in your eye. I have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just gonna ask if at this stage before Screencraft or while you're applying, had you met with any reps at that point? Had you taken any generals kind of on your own through your own networking situation or not at all? Not so much. I mean, it was, the, I think the closest thing I could get was like, you know, I'd be scheduling with like a paradigm or like UTA or Gersh assistant, like, let's get drinks. And then it'd yeah. come up like, oh, yeah, I'm a writer. And they're like, oh, cool. Can I read it? And then like, that would be like the closest thing. But no, for the, and I think part of it too is there are a lot of people on the internet who do want to read your script. And they're usually people you probably don't necessarily just want to throw your script to just because. You know, it's like, I mean, I protect myself, uh, my stuff through the WGA registration, but it's just like, that can only get you so far. So I try, tried not to send it too many places unprotected. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Did, are you that way as well with sort of people, like inner circle people? Like, did you send it to all the executives at Universal and Amlin? Did you send it to executives at Universal to ask their opinions? I didn't. <laughs> Maybe I should have. I always have a fear of showing executives things too early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My first boss at Universal left. And when she left, I interviewed internally at Universal. And I also interviewed a production company. And I'd met with a 
producer and he was like you sound like you want to write and I'm like I do and he's like don't be my assistant be a writer I'm like okay yeah cool thank you but he was but he was kind enough where he's like send me your script and I will give you feedback on it and so I did and I made most of the notes and that ended up being more or less the draft I ended up sending to ScreenCraft. I think that's really important because actually uh, an episode we're going to do here soon is talking about that first script and I have talked to a lot of writers who tend to do the opposite of what you did. I'm much more like you. Like I want to protect this thing until it's absolutely ready because I know I have one shot at it and that's it. And um, But I know other writers who just desperately send it out in the hopes that it'll land. Like maybe someone will just love it and then I can finally have my break. So there are different ways of doing it. I'm kind of on your side. We'll talk about it in more in depth in another episode, but um, it's interesting to hear that yeah, you were sort of precious about it, but ended up getting really key notes from someone that you kind of did open up to a little bit. Yeah, I feel like you just gotta like trust your gut. Everyone has their niche when it comes to genres. And so like, I know like as an assistant, I'm not a horror person. And whenever we get a horror project in, I'm like, take my nose with a grain of salt because I'm not Mm -hmm. a horror fan. (laughs) And so you want, I think this is true also like when just sharing stuff with friends, like I wanna make sure I'm sharing it with people who legitimately like the genre (laughs) I'm writing in. Because then it's just kind of like an uphill battle of like, but you don't like this movie. So like this type of movie, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You're already behind the eight ball going in. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Now we can transition to your question, Josh, of what happened after. It's about time. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened afterward? Did you get the representation? I did. Um, I I just signed like three weeks ago with a manager at Zero Gravity and he is super nice super cool i'm very excited to work with him and when i first won (laughs) back in february i did have like a couple meetings with managers and then the entire industry shut down and i got a lot of like we don't know what's going on right now talk to you later (laughs) you know and and so things had kind of stalled a bit and then uh coverfly were you know reached out to me and they're like we're going to endorse you and you know, we're going to make targeted, uh, targeted emails to people we think that would be specifically interested in what you're writing. And through that is how I met my manager, um, was through that endorsement. Did you just get a bunch of emails and calls from that email blast that Coverfly did? Yeah, I got a lot of emails, thankfully no phone calls, because I think I would have been like, hello, what? Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, no, I did get a couple and I took a couple of meetings and just went with who I felt like I just like really jived with because I I wanted someone who was like as excited about my career as I am, you know, like I'm like, oh, cool, you are equally excited about this. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because we just did an episode about relationships with managers. And um, that first meeting is always so important, I think. Can you talk about some of the ones where you feel like you didn't have that? And that you, because it's very painful to say no, when suddenly you have no reps, and this is what you need to continue with your career. And you're saying no. So like, walk through why you said no, and how you trusted your gut there a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, I one of the things I kept running into was like, we like your writing, but we don't think this is a script to send out. And then you, I had people who were like, we think we can sell this. We really like the script. And what I was just so afraid of, I'm like, okay, do you, you li- do you like my writing, but you don't like my ideas? And that was what 
was kind of the sticking point for me because it's like writing is a skill, but storytelling is a separate skill. And so I wanted somebody who kind of had the same vision as I did, where it's like, these are the kind of movies we want to write and want to see. Yeah, that's Looking that's actually you, really Josh, important. Talk about this so much. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and it's it's also important because when you have that first meeting, you know, someone might want to sell your script, but like only look at you as someone who you can, you know, they can sell your script at the time, and who knows what's going to happen after that. So it's good that you were able to kind of weed out the bad bad ones and sign with the great one. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just like one of those things that, like, I don't know. I was like, I when I sat down with my manager, he we just had the same reference points of films when we were talking. And I think that's so important just to feel like you're kind of on the same wavelength. Like, Oh yeah, that was the film I was thinking about during that scene. I'm glad you picked up on that. That's cool. This was over zoom that you met him. It was, it was over zoom. Wow. You may never actually meet him in person at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, so like cool. who knows what's going to happen a couple, <laughs> a couple of days, hours. <laughs> Oh, man. Can we talk about what's going on with the script now? Is anything going on with the script now? Yeah. So I, you know, last I spoke to my manager, like, we're hopefully going to take it out, which is very exciting. Was there anything I'm curious with your manager where they're like, okay, now you've won this competition. Everyone's seeing your name everywhere. Like, let's strike while the iron is hot. Like, are you getting generals? Like, does he have a plan for like what your strategy is right now at this kind of like tender stage of as you're first starting out? Yeah, I think like a lot of it is like we are we are going to go out with it as a spec, but he's also going to send it out as a sample just to like get my name places. And I, you know, and I, one of the, honestly, one of the good things of coming through the studio side of things is that a lot of my friends are now executives. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great? It's so nice. (laughs) You will eventually get jobs with them and it will be so cool that it's all come full circle. It's so great. (laughs) It's like the literal dream. And so it's just, yeah, like making a list of people I know around town and I'm like, I'm excited. And also just kind of like it's it's weird it's like it's that hurdle that every writer kind of needs to get over but like unless you're like one of the like special superstar people it doesn't change like instantaneously you know I think that is very good information to have (laughs) I very much also thought was like all right now it's now it's done like I can just sit back and relax and write and the career will just take off (laughs) yeah I'm like oh so now I can quit my job (laughs) yeah well, it's interesting because like a lot of my friends who have gotten signed, like for a lot of them, it seems like it's a year for them from when they get signed to when they actually get their first like full-time paid job. And that's still pretty good, honestly. I agree. I think something really interesting too about what you said is that in part of your manager's strategy, it's like, who do you know, Nicole? And what is your list of people? So that your network coming in is actually equally important to his network. And that's a big thing I think to think about as you're coming up too, is who are you meeting and how do you get into the industry and just actively start working at any level so that when it's time, you can start just networking like crazy. And those people are moving up with you, as you're saying. Exactly. It is nice to suddenly be like, wait a second, the people I'm friends with actually can make the decisions that impact my career. <laughs> we love to see Excellent. it. <laughs> Your evil plan is work. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think like to just kind of wrap up, unless Josh has a ton more, but I'm just curious what advice you have for people who are planning to enter competitions 
um, specifically your competition, but also just any competitions in general? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is to research what the winners get, you know, there are a lot of competitions where you get to say you won. And that's kind of it. Um, There are other ones where if you win, there's like, I don't know, THR announcement, and that's its own kind of currency. And especially with like ScreenCraft, a win comes with advice. Like they basically were like my managers to get my manager in a lot of ways. And so I just think it's really important just to kind of see not only who their past winners are, but if they have any like track record of, you know, people getting signed. It's like when you go on to ScreenCraft, you know, on their Instagram, it's like, congratulations to this person who won this, you know, competition who signed here. Like, because like not only does that show that people get signed after those things, but the fact that they stayed in contact to know, I think is really important. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. And it seems like they have competitions pretty often, right? Like of different genre competitions, like constantly going. Yeah. It's like they, they have like literally every genre under the sun and they also have a fellowship, which is really cool where, uh, they take people like to all the studios and get have generals and all that good stuff. They have a short story competition, Dang. a cinematic yeah. book competition, basically anything they pretty much have. Wow. That's amazing. And would you enter again if you had a different, uh, like if you had a, a drama script? Yeah, I think I would think so. Part of my reason for submitting was to get a rep. And then I think also it gets the script out there, like, it gets your name, but also the project. And I think that's equally important, especially as like once you're repped, you also want to get people excited about the stuff you're working on and accolades never hurt anybody. (laughs) True (laughs) words. What would you say to people who are maybe afraid to apply to these competitions or are kind of scared that they'll be frauded um, by applying to these competitions or just like are so overwhelmed by it? To me, when I was applying, I didn't see a downside you know like yes you're out a couple bucks so you need to be like not everyone is going to be able to apply to 10 or 15 competitions because it's expensive um I certainly did not apply to to that many um but I think it's just like if you apply and you don't place no one needs to know you know it's not going to hurt your reputation because no one will know you don't have to tell Mm -hmm. people you didn't get in Worst case scenarios, you don't get in and no one needs to know. Best case scenarios, you win. It's only you have people who want you to succeed because it makes the competition look good. You answered my question perfectly, Mike. Yeah. Big, bizarre <laughs> question. Thank you. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Thank that you, was guys. so enlightening. I really appreciate you walking through that in such detail. <laughs> anyway. No, thank you. Okay, we're going to wrap up with the, the quote of the day. The road to hell is paved with works in progress. Philip Roth. The Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. 